Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. the bitcoin podcast you just heard that awesome music by the Malot, the the lamont landers band i said that right yeah i said it right welcome to the bitcoin podcast i'm host number two d and i am host number three dr cory petty yes it is lamont landers. what el doctor el doctor el doctor uh cello <laughs> is Hanging out with his family today. Yep. We had to move the we had to move the podcast back a little bit, and he didn't have the availability, so we're going on without him. Yeah, so everybody make fun of him in the Slack for being a family man and no. not dedicating himself to the podcast. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> you real men, real men ignore their family to do a podcast. That's right. Um. So this is episode two hundred fifty. It feels like a like a monumental moment, but we've. We've been podcasting a while. We should be here by now. I think. I think a, like around two fifty. Like I don't know. Maybe at a thousand, I'll care. But it's mm-hmm. it's it's like when you're like past thirty. Every birthday is just like, oh yeah, it's my birthday today. I get what you're I'm saying. I'm just gonna continue doing this shit I've been doing forever now. Yeah, it's those. Well, there's those milestone birthdays, right? Like when you turn thirty-five. Maybe you're like, oh shit, that's roundupable. I think forty will be a big one for me. I'll probably cry like a bitch. Why? So, because it's like that's it. There's no, there's nothing left. You're forty. Like you I got don't know. thirty. There's so much things to do. Tops. You get, you get. I think you, you get honorary man strength whenever you turn forty. Like old man strength. That's yeah. when like old man strength kicks in. That's when that starts. I think so. I've seen old man strength. It's a dangerous thing. It's dangerous. I just know like forty is really old. It's like you're, but then there's just forty. Oh, I'm sorry to everyone who's forty and listens to our show. It's not that old. You're still young. <laughs> <laughs> you're young whippersnapper. Yeah, but like go I'm, out, I'm 34, 35. I forget which one to be honest. And <laughs> I'm serious. I really don't remember how. You're thirty four, man. Okay, cool. Uh, thirty three. And. I remember when I was younger, 18, 20, I thought the age I am now is was, was like an old man, a, like a, a, a real adult. I guess I am. I have a house and all that, but like, I don't feel that way. And I imagine I won't feel that way when I'm 40, 50, so on and so forth until like my bones don't work or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Every year I lose a little bit. Uh, my knees get closer and closer to just bone to bone touching bone to bone that's we're off track let's go on let's let's do something that's this isn't just oh, the okay. <laughs> yeah so 
So uh, if you did listen to Just the Headers, good on you. This is the Bitcoin Podcast. Uh, at 250, thank you for everybody for tuning in. We're going to talk about Bitcoin. We open the lines in Slack. There should be some people hopping in here. Probably the usual suspects. Hopefully not. Well, not that we don't like the usual suspects, but get some new blood. Um, you bring anything to the docket, Corey? No. I did, though. So everyone knows it's no secret by now. I love the Lightning Network. Maybe I'm loyal to a fault, but I'm a very loyal man. And I followed the, the Lightning Network for years now. I got excited when it became a reality. And now that it's here, nobody cares, which sucks. But <laughs> it's still okay. alive. I, I, okay. Go ahead. Talk about the news, and then we can talk about the Lightning Network just in general after that. Well, the news is Lightning Labs released at Alpha. Now with this alpha, you should only commit. You can't. You can only commit one percent of a Bitcoin. That's point zero one for you math heads. Um, but what it allows? Uh, is, say what? Have, uh, what? One percent? Yeah, point zero one. You said one percent. Point one. Oh, I said point zero one. I don't think you did. Either way, you can commit one we'll percent, which is tapes. zero point zero one. Of a Bitcoin, right? That's correct. Why do you right? have the extra zero? Why do you need the 0. 0.01? I don't know. You don't need sig figs. Is anyway, that even... anyway, anyways, anyway. So if I have a channel with Corey and I top it off at, let's say I'm a Baula 50 BTC, right? Or he, he makes a channel with me. He wants to send me 50 BTC, right? And I'm like, oh, what if he wants to send me 50.25 BTC? I can't take any more Bitcoin because the maximum of that channel is 50 BTC. Well, what Lightning Labs released is something called the loop out feature where I can loop Bitcoin that's in my channel out and back onto the main chain. So then I could take more Bitcoin from Corey if I wanted to. If we're in some type of relationship where I continuously feed you money and we yes. get to the limit of what our state channel allows... I can you can do the loop out and then I can give you more. That's correct, right? That's how it works. That's how it works. It's cool because you're a business and you have like a you have a lightning node set up and your channels get filled. You can loop out to the main chain. So it's like it's almost like it's a great way to say here's a payout for whatever service that thing is running. And it's it's locked. It's locked away onto the onto the main chain and there's it's it's there. You can do whatever you want with it. That's kind of cool, right? If you're running a business, that seems like a great use case for something like the lightning network that lightning network to have. Yeah. And a lot of people complain like that there's just one-way transactions on the Lightning Network, but in actuality, how many times is the gas station paying you? Have you ever have you been listening to the the like the last two or three episodes of Hashing It Out? I haven't. Um you should listen to them because they're all about state channels. Like generalized, well, break us off. Break generalized us off state channels. I mean it's like like payment channels, which is available on Straight up commercial for hashing it out. No, I'm kidding. Go for it. (laughs) Payment payment channels are a subset of generalized state channels. Um, As of right now, the only thing you can do on Bitcoin is payment channels because of the way Bitcoin's set up. Um, And that's what the Lightning Network is. It's Mm -hmm. just two-way payment channels. And how that works is you initially put a uh, a set amount. You basically stake a set amount of money into into an account. And then you do a bunch of off-channel stuff, basically pass a bunch of messages around to the parties involved with 
they don't have to go on chain. So you just, it's all staked into a single account. And then whenever you're done, you close your channels, what the people say, then you basically publish a transaction that has the finalized amounts of, of the parties involved with this payment, like mm-hmm. payment network. And people go on their merry way from there on out. And the network part of this thing is that you can route these relationships. So if I have a channel open with you and Ray has joined us and Ray has a channel open with you, I can pay Ray by routing through you. And so mm-hmm. and that's all done trustlessly. It's actually Bitcoin. We're not, you're not sending a different token and then, and then trading it back in when everybody's done. You're just basically, um, not exactly, but basically sending each other actual transactions, signing them, co-signing them, but never actually publishing them. Just by by having by having these signed transactions uh, on the Lightning Network, if somebody goes away, if someone like basically just like turns off or doesn't pay attention or griefs or whatever, whoever has the last signed transaction has the ability to publish that, and so that channel stops at whatever whatever those accounts say at that time. Okay. So what this is saying is that because uh, this this loopout function, um, when you when you stake a certain amount. Say, you know, I put in half a Bitcoin, you put in half a Bitcoin. The maximum amount that either one of us can have is one Bitcoin. And that means the other yeah. person has zero Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And what? so if I open a channel and people route me a bunch of money and that channel gets filled up, I now have the op- option of taking some of that money out and putting it on the chain without actually closing the channel, which is cool. Yeah. It's, I think you mentioned this before we started. What's also cool about this is that um, I can push that money to any address. It doesn't have to be um, a predisposed address. It doesn't have to be what started the initial the initial uh, channel. I can push it to my paper wallet. I can push it to uh, somewhere on my hardware wallet, like a ledger treasure. I can push it to an exchange to trade for whatever else I want. That's, I think that's an, another pretty cool benefit of, of, of this type of thing. Yeah. It's, I think it's going to take a little while for any of these scalability solutions to t- to get traction. Well, one of the things that it just like, is I one mean, of the one of the main things that I think people don't quite realize uh, about state channels or payment channels or any of these layer two solutions is that they work for a specific type of use case. They're not a panacea to fix the entire scaling problem of Bitcoin or Ethereum or any other or any other network. Mm-hmm. They don't. They they work within a certain contexts and they work really well and in those contexts like right now we can only use the main chain to do those types of things and they're inefficient and that's why people don't do it because it's inefficient takes too long costs too much whatever these types of things within those specific types of contexts help you scale massively so that you turn potentially thousands of transactions in a small amount of time into just two as opposed to trying to do all of that on on chain and and then it being cumbersome and annoying and not working. So what that means is that you enable these new use cases without really um, flooding the main chain, the base layer chain, with a bunch of transactions. But it only works for these types of use cases. And so people can't think that like the, because we have the Lightning Network, the whole Bitcoin chain scales beautifully and we can do anything we want now. That's not how no, it works. Right? The Lightning Network can scale, but the Bitcoin chain yeah, stays the the Lightning same. Network can scale within the context of those of those types of things, right? You're not going to use it for other types of things where the Lightning Network doesn't work very well. For instance, 
Um, Lightning Network works really well when you know, when you have a very good reason that the person you're dealing with or the people you're dealing with won't grief you, won't walk away. They're going to be online. They're going to they're gonna watch the transactions back and forth, and they're not going to cheat you or try to cheat you. Because the moment you cheat, walk away, grief, lose your connection, you have to take everything to the chain and then continue from there if you'd like to get to that business, mm-hmm. which could potentially take a very long time. And so, like, it works in a situation most in, in, where everyone is playing by the rules, which in most business situations is how it works. You go to chain when you're done or you need to arbitrate something. And when you go to arbitration, sometimes it takes a long time and your funds get locked up and it's annoying. Yeah. The only thing is the complexity of it. You know, you... So I'm a small business consultant. That's what I do. And they lose anywhere from 10 to... I don't know, 70 grand a year in credit card fees. Well, to a small business, that's quite a bit, right? When your profit is in the, you know, tens of thousands or in the hundreds of thousands, 10 to 70 grand is a quite, it's a hefty chunk. And it'd be neat if from what I do, I could say like, hey, I could save you on those credit card fees forever. But then <laughs> to even start that conversation of, well, we're going to set up a Bitcoin node. And they're like, a Bitcoin what? No. And then, then you've got to teach all of your customers about Bitcoin. Then we're going to set up a Lightning node on, on top of that. Like, what? Bitcoin? You see what I'm saying? It's just so, the complexity is so layered at this point in the game that it's not even worth the conversation for that specific use case on what crypto was sold for a small business owner to even want to exercise it they'd rather pay the seventy thousand dollar convenience fee to credit card than the time and effort fee of learning cryptocurrency sounds like a business to me is making that easy so we have taylor joe and ray have joined us uh lines are open duck and duck and can jump in on this conversation and give your opinion if you want <laughs> yeah so we were talking about uh, to, to fill you guys in, we were talking about the Lightning Labs release of the loop out feature. You can loop out Bitcoin back to the main chain uh, in case your channel is getting full and the person wants to keep sending you money and they can't. You can loop out some Bitcoin back to the main chain and it's like it wasn't there in the first place. And well, no, that's not true. But you can still take <laughs> Bitcoin. There's no max to your channel. So that's what we were talking about. We're also going to talk about stable coins a little bit and how kind of shitty they are in my mind. I don't know. They could be shitty. They couldn't be, but we're going to talk about them. And of course, you guys know you can bring anything you want to talk about under the crypto sun into the conversation. So welcome, guys. Well, dude, my first question is, as you were you were talking about the pain in the ass that is credit card fees to small businesses. Yeah, but. Isn't chargebacks an even worse pain in the ass for them? Like with immutable blockchain transactions, they don't have to worry about someone absolutely negating an entire charge. Yeah, I'd say that depends on the business. A, a, lot, of small, a lot of small businesses have great relationships with their customers, so they don't really worry about that situation. Um, uh, but I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> Me neither. It depends on the business. It depends, it depends on, on the business. business. That's correct. It depends on the business, but... I mean, if it's a, if it's like a store, if it's like a shop, of course you don't know everyone that comes through your shop, or you don't know everyone that comes through your your bodega. Bodegas, that's for the half baked fans in the audience. <laughs> but you don't know everyone that comes through your bodega. But like, I don't know, like a, a niche small business, 
you probably know your customers and you don't worry about that. So I don't know the ratio there, Ray. But yes, to answer your question, yes, it'd be a royal pain in the ass if there were a chargeback. But there's no chargebacks with crypto because there's no fake money involved. If they don't have it, they don't have it. It's crypto. Yeah, I think it also depends the on the network my- says. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it depends on um, like the nature of your business. So if you're like a legitimate person who's like, I don't know, selling posters or T-shirts or something, um, I, I I can't imagine that you have that many chargebacks. But if you're selling something that maybe is kind of on the edge or is a digital good, um, I could imagine that in those cases you do have more chargebacks. Or if your target demographic is um, like 13-year-olds who are stealing their mom's credit cards and then mom's going, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I've worked for a number of businesses and, and you know, that dealt with the, the credit cards and all of that stuff. And yeah, there's always some, but for the most part, it wasn't, uh, that wasn't like the make or break deal. The make or break deal was like, we, we never accepted AMAX because AMAX fees were higher than all other fees. I've never heard someone call it AMAX. Oh really? Yeah. No, I've well, never, Taylor, I've cooler. never ever heard someone call it Amex. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well it's cooler than you, Corey. That's what. Yeah, that's what, that's definitely the case. Taylor, I've been involved. <laughs> I've been involved in businesses that started taking credit cards, and the other reason they don't want to take American Express is because, as a consumer, if you call American Express and say, "I didn't charge this at a restaurant," they immediately charge it right back, and then the burden of proof is on the vendor rather than what MasterCard or Visa does, which is, you know, kind of goes on for a while. There's a dispute resolution process there. Plus their fees are much, much higher. Yeah, they're so a lot kind of a double whammy. Yeah, yeah. The fees being higher is, uh, like, I, I now have an Amex because I'm special, and I actually, like, avoid <laughs> using it. To, I avoid using it at small businesses. You avoid using you avoid, <laughs> you avoid using what? Which card do you avoid using? My Amex. Oh, your Amex, okay. <laughs> Why is that so weird? I literally, I don't know. I've, it's, it's always been is called Amex me? to me. Oh, God. I've always just called it American Express because you know, that's what it's it? on the card. And then, no, I'm kidding. Um, hi. We also hey. have Kevin. Kevin is on the line up, as well. Kevin and Taylor from my crypto. How are you guys? Um, hey, Kevin, do you, do you say Amex or Amex? Amex? Y'all are weird. <laughs> what? Do you say Geth or G-Eth? Wow. That's not the same. That's, that's not the same. That's one or two syllables. I say Geth. It doesn't matter. Europeans say Geth is G-Eth. Do they really? Say People say G-Eth? Yes. They're weird. That's a mouthful. That's if you don't say much. it the way I say it, then you're weird. If you're, you're European, you look at it and you're like, oh, go Ethereum, G-Eth. That makes sense. Yeah. But for that's some reason, sense. we're like Geth. It's like GIF and GIF. Yeah, uh, gifts should be outlawed. Um, it's not, but, <laughs> but um, it's with a G. Why would it not be? It's why gift. would it not be it's totally gift? gift. I don't care what the originator says. <laughs> uh, we go on tangents here. <laughs> yeah, we're we're just going on a tangent there, but that's the Lightning Network is good. These scalability solutions are always good to a point, but. I'm what is it? I think Ray made the excellent point last week that Corey, you you treat crypto like a toddler and I treat it like an adolescent and Cello treats it like a 30 year old person. And that's where, job. that's where I'm at here. Like I just, I wish it, I'm tired of us saying 
in five years, this shit's going to be dope. And we've been saying that for five years. At this point, it's like we need to start making the solid efforts and keep some some goals as the finish line. Like there needs to be a concerted effort in the community that a businesses should be able to use crypto. All right. Okay. How? A concerted effort. Which businesses? How do they use them? Because as we increase the, the, the capacity, the functionality, the ease of use for all these things, we increase the scope of people who are willing to use it as well as how they can use it gets increased as well. So every single time we get past some type of threshold of usability where we've made it easy for one particular thing to finally be able to use this technology, we've opened it up the landscape to a bunch of others who can almost use it. And so it still looks like it sucks. It doesn't work and so on and so forth. The same thing happened with the internet. It was revolutionary for a very few small amount of people for very few use cases until it increases its broad its bandwidth and the amount of infrastructure associated with it and the businesses that used it you could interact with on a daily basis. And it took a long time to get to where we are now. Up until then, it was like, oh, it works for this small group of people who no one really cares about until it gets a little bigger a little bigger and then people made businesses associated with it that no one really cared about but they were they were really interested in it stop trying to treat this as the internet today because we're rebuilding the whole goddamn thing like we're the small group of people who no one really cares about and building businesses that no one really understands how they work because there's not a lot of people in the space and we're not going to get to the point sorry yeah, we're not going to get there yet. Like uh, that's why I treat it like an infant because it is a fucking infant. Like we're it's it's a small amount of people working on a problem that no one even knows exists because they don't know how money works. That's the problem. The problem is that if it's proposing to be money, then it needs to put its big boy pants on, man. It needs to take the sandals off, put on some nice shiny you Crocs. Pump, you say Crocs. Pump, I'm gonna pumps. punch you. I almost said Crocs. I corrected myself before I, I went in. <laughs> if you say you love Crocs, you have to leave. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. When was the last time you like legitimately paid for a physical good or service, I guess, like in, in any crypto? Bitcoin probably, but any crypto. Yesterday. OPSEC, don't answer that. OPSEC, OPSEC. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> sometime in the past that was recent. <laughs> I settled the bar tab the last night with name and t- What was the date to the time to turn to the microseconds and which chain was it on? I settled the it bar was... tab last night with crypto. You did? Yeah. yeah. We get paid in crypto for as, as a podcast. Yeah. If we get if we get sponsorships or advertisements or do anything yeah. that requires money, we get paid in crypto. That is true. Um also, I mean, I, I don't care about that much. I paid somebody, I bought some like cookie vouchers like for a fundraiser for somebody's kid that I knew with crypto. So, bam. What's your point, Taylor? What are you trying to get at? No, I was just wondering. Um, I, for, I mean, yeah, like I've, I've paid people back that are in crypto space, like for beers or dinner or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But for, I think probably one of the first times ever I like bought something online with crypto and it was like, this is like two days ago and it was the weirdest thing ever because I was, ready to it was kind of a sketchy site i was ready to <laughs> i was ready to get like you know the my credit card you can like generate like a one-time use credit card number i was ready to do that and then it was like oh yeah we don't even take credit cards and i was like oh okay cool oh but you take bitcoin oh okay that works and then as i was doing it i was like this is bizarre like i don't think i've ever paid for something 
really? like this. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I don't think I've ever like, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I put it in a different category because it's like it, the thing I was buying is like real life, not crypto stuff. Like I paid people back, crypto friends back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I paid for crypto conference tickets in crypto, um, you know, those sorts of things. But this is like the, whereas like my two lives intersected. Um, but it was actually it really is like, real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really was. Um, it was not the worst experience in the world. It was, uh, I actually paid in ether because I didn't want to like find the Bitcoin, but, um, uh, it was pretty like fast. I would say like, I, I basically like it, it shot me an address. I copied it. I sent it from my wallet, from my crypto. And then I, um, like, I don't know, poked around on Instagram or some shit until it like, you know, was all confirmed and stuff. And then they just like gave me like a normal receipt email and said like, here's, you know, how you can track your order, et cetera, et cetera. Um, well, that's where you went wrong. You're supposed to stare at the screen all tense and nervous until it, your <laughs> transactions start to rack up. That's that's a very rich tradition in sending Refresh, crypto. refresh, <laughs> refresh. Uh, <laughs> that's when you're sending from exchanges to your wallet. Though. No, so uh, there's, yeah. there's one aspect of this I think that, may, that maybe people can relate to is that um, the frequency in which I use my crypto right now is a lot less than it was, I'd say, in the beginning of the year uh, when when prices were higher or like when all the, all the prices were up. I used my crypto. They paid for our entire studio across the network, all of our all of our equipment for recording. Um, it's paid for our, our travel when we go places. Kevin yeah. is currently wearing our shirt. I that see. was paid for with crypto. That was paid for with crypto. <laughs> I mean, we, I used it a lot. It paid for my house. I bought a house with crypto, so like that's a that's a yeah, real. You bought a house with fiat that used to be crypto. Okay, true. <laughs> that's that, that, like, and I guess yeah, that's we, true. If, that it, I'll tell you this much: that's that's true. If I could have paid directly with crypto, I definitely would have because it would have saved me a lot of. Um, middle like middle steps that i had to go through and and like and for each of those steps i had to prove chain of custody and how it worked and and so on and so forth especially because the rest of the world isn't caught up yet which may take a while well i'll tell you some uh, supporting point to that Corey, that might depress everyone else on this uh on this podcast today i did a stem academy that was sponsored by microsoft and nasa a couple days ago and gave 12 presentations to groups of 12 to 15 kids every single time. And one of my questions was, was who can tell me what blockchain is? And out of 160 kids, three knew what blockchain was. So it's definitely not being taught in our schools and the kids are definitely not hearing about it. Just by way of comparison, I asked how many kids knew what Fortnite was and I think every single kid knew what Fortnite was. Well, I'd say if, that's our, our metric. I don't ever see that ever really happening. I don't I don't see that becoming a thing because I feel as though um, when there's some type of game that uses crypto in the back end that enables mm-hmm. them to do something, that's what they'll know about. But then we won't really know about the technology underneath it. Like these were STEM yeah. kids. These were STEM kids. These were like an academy how, of how, science. When we say kids, we're talking like six or like eighteen. No, fresh, freshmen, sophomores. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's that, that's a bit surprising. I'd say. Yeah, I was very, very surprised. As a matter of fact, I was giving doing giveaways for it, and I eventually just started saying, how many of you know what Bitcoin is? Mm-hmm. And a very, very small number of kids knew what Bitcoin was. 
Yeah, mm. I've I've had that experience where I'll ask, you know, oh, you know what crypto is, or oh, you do crypto, and they're like, what the frick are you talking about? And then I'm like, <laughs> Bitcoin, and they're like, oh, Bitcoin, yeah. yeah. Oh, but Taylor, um, I have to give you guys props because not only is my crypto doing some serious education efforts on security, but I saw a sneak preview of your new web interface and it looks kick ass. Oh my God. What is that called? Plug your stuff. <laughs> what is that called? Time to shill it. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. So uh, y'all Wait. have an official name for it? <laughs> we, we, we are not sponsored by my crypto. I'd like to Yet. put that out there. I'd like to let everyone know that. This Let is totally organic. <laughs> you gotta have a code oh. name for it. It looks so cool. That's I'm gonna. I'll tell you what we call it internally. So okay, I don't okay. know. I don't know where this name came from. We've okay. been thinking about sort of this feature set for a while, and someone came up with this name, and it's just called Global Account Unlock. Okay, Babis. That's it. So now we just call it GAU. And it's literally the worst name I've yeah, ever heard. Yeah, that name sucks. Life. You need to have a contest to name names. <laughs> You're going to need to do better than that. Every time I say it, but like it's we're too far, we're too far in. You know what I mean? Like we're just it's too far in. This is what the team calls it, and it's just terrible. And I'm like, okay, we got to be better in the future because this is insane. But it's like a funny face. So the reason it's called this is because it's Thanks. oh no. So for okay. those of you that don't know, Taylor has a baby. And the baby, baby doesn't even like that name. Yeah. 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 We just not approve. Um, here, have a Sharpie. There you go. Um, so the, the reason <laughs> Did is Did you just say have a Sharpie? She just sniffed her baby a Sharpie? Is <laughs> the cap <laughs> off of that thing? Oh, it's, well, it's all safe. It. Yeah. It's okay. non-toxic. <laughs> oh, it's not a Sharpie like the marker Sharpie. Oh, it is. No, it is. <laughs> it has a lid on it. It's like a perfect little chew toy because she's keeping right now. What could Sharpie possibly go wrong? Oh, so much could go wrong. Um, <laughs> so Global Account Unlock, the reason we, it has this name is because it's moving accounts to a global level. And then it'll basically give us the ability oh. to show things across all of your accounts as well. So not only are, not only are accounts moving to the global level, but we also so that's making your your kid angry i think talking about (laughs) so um i don't know maybe we should maybe we should have like a contest for for coming up with a new name but what the coolest thing about it is that we can now like do things like show your balances across all your accounts and then when you want to like go send you click send and then you just like select the account uh, and then just go through the process. And then from a security standpoint, um, there's a lot of new privacy concerns that we're addressing. But from a security standpoint, we're not saving like the private key or anything. So basically, instead of unlocking your wallet first up, it'll be the last step before you sign the transaction. So we're mm-hmm. still not doing, we're not like keeping any of your, <laughs> any of your super sensitive information. Um, and then we're working on a mechanism to basically encrypt your um your like any sensitive information that's not secret so your address what network that address is on there's like a lot of little things um and that'll all be encrypted nice why don't you like encryption true fans of the show know for like the first 100 episodes cello's daughter was very very young and she would scream at us every time we were trying to record every single time Ask Joe. Every Joe time. is actually in the channel. I don't know if he can talk right now. 
but he uh, went through a listening spree where he listened to every single one of our episodes. So he can attest to one, the staunch unprofessionalism slash funness of us in the early days <laughs> compared to today and, and, and cello's babies. I don't know if my mic is working. We, we it is. is. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I had to go run upstairs and get a replacement mic, but yeah, lots of yelling in the background in the early days. Yeah. Dogs and babies and cursing and <laughs> all kinds of shit. Actually, Joe, I would like to hear your opinion on the difference between like back then versus now and like if you could if was it was it a gradual change over time or did it just like one day we're like and now we're trying to kind of be professionals but not really <laughs> um i don't know are you guys professionals yet I don't no know. maybe i don't no, know i'm just kidding i would say that <laughs> not even close i don't know i feel like back then <laughs> i feel like back then there was definitely a, a lot more of kind of finding your way so you know, anybody who had anything related to the word crypto on their resume or their LinkedIn profile was pretty much game to be interviewed. And now I feel like, like after this last bull run, there's kind of been this filtration where there's certain projects that are not really qualified to be talked about or certain people that are not really people that you'd want to talk to. And so it's kind of just, reach, it's reaching a different level of maturity, I would say. Um, but there's some really cool episodes back then that I mean, I don't remember all of the names exactly, but there are certainly things that you guys talked about back then that still resonate today. Um, and there were products that were out back then that I think are um, that when you looked at them back then, you looked at the ecosystem back then, like things like Lawnmower, which I got introduced to through D talking about it on like one of the, I don't know, sub 30 episodes. Uh, he was talking about it back then and I'd gone back to listen to it. And then I was like, oh, lawnmower, this is really cool. And things like that, like different tools and things that were brought about back then are really, were really cool at the time. And I think that we need to bring back some of this like builder spirit and like, you know, kind of break down some of these walls. But I think that, I think that the product, the, you know, the podcast has evolved and I think it's definitely in a in a better place now but there's still a lot of cool things that i think we could bring back from the old days let us know yeah. the more you let us know the more we can do that and without people like you telling us that type of stuff then you know we, we wouldn't know to do it in the first place so thanks for listening i think, what, I think what's happened over the years though is that Corey, you and i's careers have evolved and cello's careers as well and we've kind of lost the time to sink into crypto during the week like crypto now to me no, is like okay i, I have every to... day like i'm in crypto well, yeah, I, i'm just i'm not yeah. trying to f- broadly see what's going on across the entire space i'm a lot more specialized yeah. into a specific area so i can't i'm not trying to like keep my finger on the pulse of everything crypto one because i'm more focused focused on something else and the entire space has grown so much that it's become impossible that's a full-time job just to pop it probably read all of the headlines and not even yeah. dig into them right yeah the headlines are stupid by the way but not all <laughs> of them are stupid. not all of them are stupid but like it doesn't change I, I keep doing word uh word count analysis on them and the only thing the mainstream crypto news outlets wants you to see is regulations exchanges yeah. dollar those are the three words that come up the most so That's take that as you will i think take that as you will that happens i mean there's definitely a shift that happens between like bull runs and bear runs uh but there's also a shift that happens like the longer you're in the space the harder it is to sort of like zoom out um and like look at things from a really broad perspective and 
one of the reasons I do like hire people that are maybe not as experienced in crypto is to like be constantly reminded of how far we have to go because sometimes you can get in this like echo chamber where everyone gets it and is super obsessed with it and is reading everything they can get their hands on you know what i mean and i'm so sorry oh no taylor i totally i totally agree with you and that's why it was so eye-opening for me this week because I, I did a conference about artificial intelligence and then i did that stem thing and it really wasn't a topic at either one of them and in between by the way i was listening to you on another podcast that you appeared on this week that was a highly technical traders day traders podcast or whatever but yes it, it is a it is an echo chamber and twitter and slack only makes it way and 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 that was very strange what was that that was me. I was in the turntables. Ray, that was amazing. I was waiting for the beat to drop. I thought. <laughs> right? I was like, oh, shit. okay, wow. Ray. What are you doing here? We got the dubstep going on. If that was um, an accident, that was like the most nope. perfect timing ever. Nope. <laughs> I thought it was being like right over the top with his ways, just like really That's going into part. it. The first three, yeah. I was like, all right, Ray, we got you. <laughs> I was like, okay. Where's the beat? Where's <laughs> let's let it drop? Um, well, that I don't even know where he was going now. That was that got so awesome. Like I forgot what he was kind of talking about. So but, the Slack happening right now. Uh, D, or sorry, Cello and Colin, uh, my co-host of Hashing It Out, are going back and forth on whether or not Tron is a reasonable thing to care about. Cello seems to think that it's a cool project where Colin is telling him he's full of shit and should stop thinking about Tron. I, okay, so let me just. As someone who's known Cello since we were seven years old, Cello is a troll to the fullest sometimes. So a lot of people in the Slack get caught into that like uh, lasso of trollness that Cello can do. And he is trolling Colin right now and it is working beautifully. And Cello's having a great time. Well, let me tell, I'll tell you that's how that's going. So I'll I'll tell you I was actually talking to a buddy about this last week because I have a couple of friends in a in a message chat that I'm in and two of them they love Tron. I have no idea why, but they love Tron. And one of the things that I started thinking about uh, as it relates to Tron is that um, when you when you look at how the uh, global economy is structured, you know there's pretty much China and then there's everybody else and the. Uh, analogy that i gave was i obviously i work at uber and so when we were obvious. well oh sorry that's not obvious <laughs> obvious yeah, to ever, right. all of us but not obvious to yeah <laughs> well so I, I work at uber and in 2015 and 2016 we were making a really heavy push to try to enter the china market and if you look at a lot of products like technology products that try to enter into the chinese market there is usually a barrier where the chinese companies are given an advantage usually by the Chinese government to, and it gives them an advantage where they can outperform and basically outspend any competitors that are foreign that come into the space. Hmm. So if you look at things like how Google tried to enter into China, but really, you know, you really just have Alibaba and Tencent are the main uh, players out there. And you look at how Amazon's trying to enter China or how Facebook tried to enter China or how we tried to enter China. And we actually ended up selling our whole business to a Chinese competitor, Didi, right? And we just got out of that whole market. So when you look at how the Chinese state protects its own 
businesses, if you look at things like Tron and Binance Coin, there may be a totally separate ecosystem that is not an ecosystem that we interact with, just like we don't really interact with like Tencent or we don't really interact with uh, uh, any of the Chinese mainstream social networks. But it's, you know, there's 1.2 billion people over there. That's fine for them to have their own ecosystem. And Tron could be number one in that ecosystem. And it might not be as big as the rest of the world, but it might still be something that's valid in that ecosystem. And, you know, I don't really see any value from a technical analysis of Tron. Like a lot of their stuff is just copied code. Like I did a, a, a high level audit of China you know, copied code. something and made it their own. I don't believe this. That's <laughs> crazy. But uh, yeah, but I mean, it, there's still space for that thing to exist in the context of just the Chinese economy. And maybe we're not going to be happy about it here in the United States, but that doesn't mean that it's not, it won't be a big thing over there to them. So, mm-hmm. so I'm not, I don't that? have any Tron, but I can see why people that are in China would be excited about it and excited about its growth, even though us look at it and we're like, oh, that's just another shit coin. So just to like back this up, um, one, I, I agree with you. Two, I agree with you that Tron has no technical merit and is literally a carbon copy of, of Ethereum. Um, but, you know, to point to that, basically so is Litecoin and all of the early altcoins, when altcoins were, getting a, were becoming a thing, they were carbon copies of Bitcoin, change a few parameters, call it your own thing. You're done. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I guess uh, this is an article three days ago. I'm not sure if these read it yet. I'm sure it'll be on the next just the headers is uh, China released their latest government sponsored rankings of major cryptocurrencies. This happened on March 22nd. We, we skipped that article. We call it bullshit. Yeah, but this this backs up what Joe was just talking about. It's like Bitcoin on on China's cryptocurrency rankings that was released yesterday. Uh, Bitcoin is number 15. EOS is number oh, one. Down. It's 15th. EOS is number one. Tron came in second, overtaking Ethereum, Ethereum in third. So, like, it's like, how much more backup could you want, Joe? That's exactly the case. They are their own little ecosystem, and they're going to, like, push the things that they want because, I mean, ultimately, they have control over these things. They literally yeah. have control over these projects, so they push them up, and they say, these are the best. So, use these because... We want you to. And so one say- thing, oh, sorry, ahead. one thing that I've been noticing specifically in the Ethereum ecosystem is sort of this like, like maximalism, and that's such a touchy word, and it's not really maximalism, but this really like kind of deep seated hatred towards other chains. Yeah. And part of that reason, though, okay, mommy's trying to talk. Part of the reason for that. The hatred is because sort of the things that are getting the most traction are EOS and Tron. And Mm. so then I kind of go back and forth in my head a bit, you know, and ask myself, okay, are these, do these things provide any value at all? Or do they ultimately do more damage? Like if, if Tron is just copy paste code, if it's whatever it is. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, does that do damage to the ecosystem or does that ultimately help the ecosystem or help make progress or help, you know, be a stepping stone to the next thing that actually is, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of Ethereum or, you know, everything? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a net negative. I think it's a net negative because it just adds, it adds confusion 
um, it adds confusion to the whole ecosystem when you've got all these uh, copy pasta projects out there <laughs> and no one knows what anything is. And it, I think, I think it's definitely a net negative. One Tron is, I don't know why people like that. They must not be able to read. I mean, cause the white paper is, is, is garbage, but no, it's not. It's a carbon it, it copy. Is. It's a carbon copy of, of Ethereum. That's literally copied. They changed, they changed like the names of, like the the um yep. what we're, uh, we're back to the whole thing there's so many people that don't understand so much about this space that it's not going to matter because they're not ever going to understand it and so if they can get the infrastructure there build on top of it then that's what they're going to use well and that's what makes eos so interesting with their constitution because their constitution basically like has this whole thing in there that says hey uh if your money's stolen or if there's a theft we'll we'll blacklist it and for everyone that I know and I'm friends with in this space, that's like like the cardinal sin. That is the Shouldn't worst. Be like, able to why do that. would you like <laughs> that's the value you're taking away the value of the blockchain? What are you doing? But the target demographic for EOS people or the people that are are really into it are people that entered the space in twenty seventeen, moved too fast, got fished, and they think that's a grand idea. Mm. And that's what's really interesting for me to watch is like as this ecosystem evolved. And as less technical people who don't read white papers and don't have these really like strong, um, like really strongly held stances on decentralization or or these sort of philosophies, what's going to happen in this space? And and do we, you know, how do we how do we keep it how do we keep it decentralized when it's yeah. possible that ninety nine percent of people aren't going to care that it's decentralized? Yeah, speaking of evolution uh, in the space that you know, guy that goes right along with what you're talking about, about things that people just don't care about because they're not going to like the, the most recent thing in the last six to eight months, I'd say is this like stable coin onslaught. That's Tron, Tron is involved in, right? They're moving tether to the Tron blockchain, which should set up all kinds of alarm bells. Tron to mention the version fact, of tether, but not to mention the fact that the way they launched it was a Twitter that, Right, a Twitter campaign that, for all practical means, looks like a total scam. Oh, right. Yeah, they're, they're announcing twenty percent APR on all deposited coins, and I'm giving away Teslas to one lucky follower, and I mean all this stuff that smells like a scam. And I know Joe, you respect the uh, the project, but they don't have a good white paper. They have scammy looking promotions. They have a scammy looking uh, kind of figurehead, and they're tied to a scammy looking tether uh, or, or t- scammy looking stable coin. Those, those are that's a lot of alarm bells for there not to be any fire at all. Oh, I don't want I don't want you to be confused and think that I think Tron is a good idea. Oh no, you love it. it. Love it. I, I don't <laughs> have any Tron. It's cool. I don't we have love any it. Tron. I'm not. I'm not really <laughs> invested in that project. But yeah. I'm just. I just want to give an, uh, an alternate picture because sure. I think that, you know, just like I don't use Didi uh, and their business is tanking compared to what our business is relative to the global economy. I do think that from the mentality of somebody who may be of Chinese descent, they may look at it and say, oh, this is our thing that we can build and our government will back it and they will run this thing at a loss forever because they just they don't understand what the value of a decentralized uh, coin like uh, Ethereum or like Bitcoin or any of these other uh, tokens that are built on a decentralized platform. They don't understand where that value comes from. So mm. I'm not really advocating that that Tron should 
do this or that. And I did see that that uh, post that you were talking about. And I was like, this is really crazy. Because, yeah, Ray, you were right. It did look like a scam. Well, so and he now has more followers than Vitalik. He has now more followers than John McAfee, which I guess we really shouldn't use that as an example of anything. But he has more followers than Andreas. He, he, he has now crossed over a million bot and fake followers because of the Tesla and the quote unquote $20 million giveaway, which I guarantee you is going to be some, it's going to be an address that's already associated with, with one of their internal wallets. So Taylor spent quite a bit of time along with a lot of other people in the, in the space, trying to teach people that they should be ignoring these things. Um, they should be like, it was, it, we tried to, you know, campaign Twitter to, to not let these types of things happen. We tried to teach people that this type of behavior is something to be ignored completely. This project then goes on a rampage with it in order to gain followers and traction to then boost their marketing and social media presence. And the exact way we were trying to train people to not get scammed by, because that's exactly what people were doing who were scamming people and stealing a bunch of money. And it's just like, and so that they basically emboldened that that to continue happening. And so that type of behavior is that something that's like detrimental to our our ability to move forward in a mature way and teach sure. people to act accordingly and not get their money taken from people who are trying to steal it. Because this technology is very new and very difficult to understand if you're just coming on right now. And it's as we've said, it's very difficult to follow. And some people won't even try. And so if we, as the people who do understand and are building businesses, don't do things ethically or teach the behavior that's appropriate, then we can't move forward very fast because it's very easy for scammers to take advantage of these mm -hmm. people because it's literally digital money. And so like that's one of the reasons why I don't like them is because they're they're it's that's an unethical thing to do. They don't care about the people who are using their system. They want money. And social media presence ethics, and, and like and quote unquote success. The people so, with ethics in this space don't talk loud enough. I'll say that. Fuck Those you. I talk loud all the time. Like, <laughs> not loud enough, man. That's not not one not one I, homeboy from Tron is trying to give away Teslas on Twitter. Well, people don't subscribe more. to to ethical subtlety, right? That, that it's, they subscribe to the chance to win twenty million dollars. Mm -hmm. It's right. the catch twenty-two. Go ahead. So, Corey, I'd have a question. Okay, so I have I have a friend who I can send a message to in about like twenty minutes, and who's basically got I don't know a little bit of money in Tron. So, what would I say to him to try to get him out of that? Because for him, he's just I don't know when, how, or when he got it, but I know he has it because every time some good news gets posted, he gets excited. So, what would I? Be able to say to him and i'll give you kind of like a profile he's an engineer he basically works on like big data rollouts uh he's basically a high level management person at a very big tech company so what would i say to him to say hey you know you're not really helping the ecosystem by supporting this type of token so i i'm gonna there's a few things here number one not investment advice hashtag not investment advice two um i don't like telling people what to do with their money but Coming from his perspective, also I can't I can't say I understand his motivations because some people there's like I'm not not everyone is here for one purpose. We're, we're we're split up in various ways, right? Like there's parts of me that would like to just make short term money off profits that I don't care about, off off projects I don't care about, because I would like to have more money to have a a, a more secure financial future. But there's also a portion of me that desperately cares about the underlying technology where it's going and its impact on, on society. That part is much larger. 
but that's not the case for everyone. But also coming from an engineering perspective, I'd say like you would probably care about a more sustainable future environment and the things that they do don't lend themselves any credence to anything that's sustainable. All of the things that they do scream sirens of short-term profitability and 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 social capital, not sustainable, fair f- future, in my opinion. And so it's like what he's doing is he's backing something that will probably could potentially end up as an exit scam, isn't sustainable in the way they do things because they don't care about the actual users. The decisions that they make will be motivated towards their personal greed and not towards the end users. And and the things built on top of it are going to be subject to all of that because it's going to if it is successful in any way, shape, or form, then the base layer is subject to all of these personal greed decisions and so on and so forth. And like so, like that's where you're putting your money in the base layer of someone of something that is has shown multiple multiple signs of doing things that are not in the benefit of its users or the culture of like he's trying to make a book though but but if he's just trying to make a short-term book my my advice could be to have an an exit plan when it hits this mount take take my money out not i'm going to keep this for 20 years and and so that depends on what your investment portfolio is doing and what you want that particular money to be doing and when you want it out i would i would ask your friend like what you know, what is your motivation? Why did you initially invest in this? Why are you still invested in this? And try to get to the bottom of like what he finds sort of attractive. Um, and then once you do understand that, I mean, that process of, of answering that question itself may shed light, you know, for himself on, on maybe I just read a single article once or something. Um, but then you can, then you can have a better chance of approaching him and being like, Hey, like, you know, here's, here's some alternatives that may do better for what you're going after, whether that's getting rich quick, you can talk about diversifying your portfolio, you can talk about how crypto is not, you know, sounds not like a, this sounds like a crypto thing. intervention or something. It's like, <laughs> you know, or here's if some alternatives. In, yeah, he, you know, or if he's, you know, if he's interested in the technology, you know, then you can sort of like guide him to maybe some of the more interesting technological <laughs> things that are happening on other chains or in the ecosystem or whatever it is. Um, but I mean, also just like, I don't know, I find it super interesting why people get into this space, you know, especially mm-hmm. some of these other chains. Honey. I think most people try, most people get in the space initially because of an opportunity to make money. There's no way around that. They see an opportunity to not not make money, but an opportunity to increase um, their net worth. Their you know how much purchasing power they have. That's just 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 why people get into the space. That's why I personally got into it. Um, you know, everyone knows that's why Cello got into it. But something happens when you realize that oh, that's not going to happen overnight anymore. That's just not. So what else am I tied to and beholden to in this space other than just increasing my net worth? Um, when it was just Bitcoin, it was about, you know, the separation of money and state for me. I really fell in love with that idea. Now I see it as something that's just like, I don't know if it's a foregone. It, it just won't happen. That's just not, it's just not, gonna, it's not going to happen. Um, and the reason people being in this space just to increase their net worth, that's never going to go away. It's always, there's always going to be for crypto, these cycles of, Oh, here's another chance for me to basically print money. 
or increase my value 100x. That's why I'm here. There's people in the Slack. They join the Slack all the time, and they're very open about it. Like, when do you think the next time Bitcoin's going to gonna 100x? And I'm like, I don't know, man. If I knew that, I fucking wouldn't work. I would just <laughs> I just sit on my ass and wait and just fucking then cash out when that shit happened. But um, it's it's such a draw, and that's something that, like, even – you know the the Corey Petties of the world, uh, the multiples of you. It's that's just the way it is. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Is that people get in this space to increase their purchasing power, to increase their net worth, and then other beautiful things can come from that. Oh, but I got an idea. I got an idea because everything you just said is fantastic. Uh, Joe, why don't you ask your friend if he wants to be on uh, on ramping with D, and he can just ask these questions and D can answer them. All right, I'll do. I'd that. love it. I love it. I haven't had on ramping in like a year. And <laughs> tell them to look. I'll just be honest. On ramping stopped because I got denied because so many people's so many people were like canceling on me to take their kids to soccer practice. And I get it. People live lives and shit. But this part of mine, I'm trying to set you up in my schedule to interview on my show. I don't really give a damn if your kid cannot kick a soccer ball. I need for you. <laughs> I, I need you to come on my damn show. So I can get some content out. So that's why I was like, you know, screw general purpose people. I ain't got time. But um, yeah, ask him to come on on wrapping with D, and and we'll see how that goes. And right. hopefully, by the end of that show, he'll send he'll have sent me all of his Tron <laughs> for free, so I can get rid of it for him. For so you me. can burn it. Yeah, so I can burn it for him on an exchange. So we'll help him <laughs> out there. Um. But I did try to segue to stable coins, but y'all just ripped it. All back right, so, so I, I, I have there are use cases <laughs> for stable coins. Um, okay, here, here, let me go a little bit. Chill. All right, chill. I got, I get, I get excited. Um, excited. One, escrow. When you do some business and money needs to be locked up for a certain amount of time, you don't want the value of that money to change drastically in the time period it needs to be locked up. You would prefer. That that value stay the same from the moment it's locked up to the moment you need to let it go. Stable coins are useful for this. Two, fiat, period. Like any government-issued money needs to have some type of stability associated with it. And, mm-hmm. and, and a part of this technological revolution is for the systems that are currently in place to make themselves more efficient and better at what they do. There's no getting around that. When you create a technology... Everyone gets to use it for however they want to. And that's what's going to happen. So, okay. one, that's probably good because it moves it to a more efficient, transparent system or potentially bad because they have more control and it's more transparent to what they want to do with it. But either way, it's not going to stop and that's what they're useful for. Two, or three, like uh, I would imagine trading, that, that's a part of the escrow thing. If you want to trade, you want to hold it into something that maintains its value and then put it into something that changes based on it changing in the direction you'd like it to. I'm going to pause now because my dog's going to start barking. Go ahead. Um, I see what you're saying. Yes, there. that is useful cases. Of course, daily active traders need something to peg their value against. So, you know, they're not losing value hand over foot. When market isn't shifting in their favor, they can have a, have a quick exit. That's good and all. But all to, to me, all it is is the handshake between traditional incumbents in finance to be able to dip their toe in crypto 
in a legal way. That's all it seems like to me. Like JP Morgan's making a JP Morgan coin. So they're clients with just stupid money talking about people walking around with like $80 billion in their pocket can now get legal exposure to crypto, right? They're just absolving the risk. Well, and by the way, they might be the only one that I might think might actually have the backing. I mean, no one can tell me with a straight face that Tether has $2 billion in cash reserves. There's no way. And when the money was fluctuating, you know, when, when the volatility was incredibly high on Bitcoin, they were varying their cash reserves, quote unquote, supposedly by like $500 million in a week. I mean, that's a lot of paper money. That's a lot of gold, right? I mean, that's, that is a ton of stuff to be flowing around and yet their value never went below 94 cents ever. I mean, I just don't understand the math behind it. Yeah, I don't think anyone does. What about Dai? <laughs> I know people don't understand the math behind Dai. I I'm sat through the damn presentation and I was like, "What the?" Yeah, I would like I would like to have someone on <laughs> to go further into the, the how Dai works, but it's basically collateralized by currently only F. Um, people keep putting an F to 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 make Dai. Um, kind of the, the economics or way that works is is not one hundred percent easy to understand or trivial, but it's probably the most decentralized stable coin that is currently available. I'll have him on and transparent. As long as he doesn't talk. When I watched this presentation at like DevCon three in Mexico, he it's it looked like he watched two thousand TED talks before he got on stage. Like I it was it was annoying. As long as he doesn't talk to me like it's a TED talk, I'm okay. I'll talk to the guy. But I still don't think I'm going to get what he's trying to do with Dai. It's just really complex. Like when the price of ETH drops, it buys other shit. Like it's to me, I, I couldn't keep up with so it. So for another use case, at least what, what we found um, its status is that we we run a lot of uh, Gitcoin bounties, which is basically ways to incentivize um, like community contributors to do things for for us to contribute to the status app and the status ecosystem. Um, and we just, we have like, this task needs to be done. This is how it needs to be done. Here's a bounty on it. And mm-hmm. with Gitcoin, you can set the bounty using various cryptocurrencies. And by far, what the people who are actually using these, like doing these contributions, and we have quite a few of them, they want it and die. Because I don't know if that's just something that they, they understand the value will be by the time they're done with the task. And so they can associate the amount of workload to the to the value that they're gonna they're gonna get back, and maybe it's better for accounting. Maybe it's because they don't want ether. I, I don't know. But like as a purely numbers thing, that's what people want when they do these types of contributions. And and then are they cashing it out as soon as they collect it? I don't know. I don't keep track of that. That'd be interesting to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've used the stablecoin recently. I um. Wait, is this an OPSEC thing, Ray? <laughs> no, go right ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, I bat, bat picked up a little bit, so I wanted to wanted to take advantage of that uh, HODL plus strategy that we've been preaching for about eight months now. And I was on Coinbase Pro, but the only way to do that with some of the, I guess, low volume alts is to use USDC. It was fine. It, I mean, it was it was smooth. It was ultra smooth. Now I know I'm on somebody's list because they know I have USDC, but or I had USDC, but or do I have it? Opsec. 
Um, but <laughs> well, they'll, they're all, they will always be fine until they're not, right? I mean, that's the way that they're going to work, right? If you read some of the, the Bitfinex criticism Twitter accounts, you know, this is the greatest house of cards we've had since the mortgage crisis, you know, according to some people. It's just completely 100% fabricated, and these dollars are not really flowing into the economy, the, the cryptocurrency economy. And one day it's all going to come crashing around us, and it's going to be catastrophic. That's what some folks think. Yeah, I don't know about all that catastrophe stuff. But speaking of catastrophes, we should wrap it up. <laughs> what? Uh, this show wasn't a catastrophe. I don't get that segue. I don't know. I just you know it was, a, it was a, I, I used the last word that was said, basically. It's been I over an hour. We should probably uh, start wrapping it up. What do you guys think? You want to keep going? I don't care. <laughs> you can't say that's the end of the show. But if you want to keep going. I can do whatever I want. Good. My podcast. <laughs> I got the record button, son. So, um... <laughs> No, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you, Ray. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Joe, for swinging by. Joe, hopefully we can tap into our old school flavor. I don't know. Um, uh, to get more uh, strippers, musicians. Uh, who else was on there back then? Roger Ver. They had Roger Ver. We had Roger Ver a couple somebody, times. Yeah, somebody linked doing me. Interviews. Oh, yeah. We stopped doing interviews. So, like, I, was, I was listening to uh, – hold on. Who was it? Cynthia um, Gaten mm-hmm. from Slack uh, linked a old article that I wrote that was describing what happened in the DAO hack and how we move forward. And, I was, and this is something I wrote um, a long time ago. And she gave it to someone because someone was asking about like who has some, you know, I guess non-controversial recaps of what happened and how to move forward. She, she linked to me, and in the process of thanking her, I went back and reread that article, and. I was much more cavalier with uh, how I wrote back then. I, not nearly as politically correct, but I think also carried over to the show, which Joe talked about. Uh, like, for instance, I think one of the, the, the one of the paragraphs was: first off, if you're the scammer, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and if, <laughs> and no, there's, there's there's more to this. There's more to this. And I was like, uh, I don't like I don't support anything that you do. And for those of you who would like to rally behind him for some reason, you can send me all of the material you think that can sway me, and then I'll respond with "Go fuck yourself too." <laughs> and, uh, and this was the, this was the non-controversial uh, letter or I mean, uh, document that she said. Like that that was like it said. Okay, here's the opinion part of this piece. Everything before that was very you know objective. This is what happened. This is how it happened. This is what people plan to do to move forward. Okay. I try to anything that I'm writing, I try to have an objective piece that's not controversial whatsoever. It's not there's there's nothing to argue about, and then I put my opinions based on that information because you know I'm a scientist, and <laughs> and uh, I I just I I found myself pretty amusing uh, based on that type of stuff because I can't imagine writing it right now based on how I operate. Is that a like cask in your china cabinet back there? That is Bigfoot bourbon. Oh, okay. Is that a china cabinet or it's a just like bar? A, it's just like a shelf. It's like a closed oh, okay. shelves with some doors on it. All right. Well, anyways, we'll wrap it. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Joe. Uh, sorry to everyone who anticipates a solid time for the, for us to be recording this show on the weekend, but uh, my schedule just does, simply doesn't allow for it. So no, 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 no. We're being inclusive to everyone around the world by changing the oh, times. yeah. Shit. Nailed it. I shouldn't. Yeah. Marketing we, genius. We're trying. There we go. 
we're trying to uh, take into account people from different time zones when it's want to tune in. So that's how that works. You're welcome. <laughs> so um, that's it. We're wrapping. Um, we have a book. You can catch that on the bitcoinpodcast.com. Uh, you'll see a big picture of our book. You should click that if you want it. Uh, there's uh, the ebook version and the regular version. I think you should buy both because I'd appreciate that much more love from you. <laughs> also, it's a great coffee table book. I mean, I think it's it's yeah. it's meant to be on a coffee table for people to peruse through. All those interesting people that Joe just talked about that we interviewed back in the day. We have a, we asked them a, a trademark question: Can you describe Bitcoin, Ether? or blockchain in 10 words or less, and they all try, and the definitions are great and vast, and you get examples all the way from PhDs to high-dollar escorts to uh, low-dollar rappers, like Lil <laughs> B. Like, everyone gives their opinion, and uh, it's it's ex- it's a quick read. Um, it's a picture book for all of you non-readers out there. Um, join the Slack if you want to have a good time. Uh, that you go to the bitcoinpodcast.com and you click on the Slack button and then you follow those simple instructions. If you can't do that, then you probably shouldn't be in the community because you can't. You're, I don't know. It's, it's very simple instructions. It's like two buttons. Um, anything <laughs> else we do, Corey? Lots. Find uh, us on Twitter. We have a Medium blog. Mm-hmm. I post things on Scent occasionally. Join the Slack. We'll tell you everything. Yeah, and I'm on Instagram, or we're on Instagram. I just let it go that I run the Instagram, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> but we don't do anything. But we don't like run funny videos or anything. So <laughs> we just kind of post clips of the shows and um, then random pictures of my actual life. So it's not the best Instagram account, but you can follow it if you want to. <laughs> Hashtag marketing. <laughs> and... Uh, what else uh medium you talked about that um that's it all right guys play wait shout out to zoe saldana zazi beats carla lewis uh play the outro <laughs>